the black rocks and revolution. Samurai punk feminist solution. White noise, your audio pollution. This is not a test. Calling all your slaves to the ground. Coming out your grace for the mind. Had eyes, but still you are blind. This is not a test. Okay, so uh, this here is uh, Tim Wilcox, and uh, he's from originally born and raised in Kitchen. He still lives there. There's a lot of different stuff. He started. You're gonna get into this one. He listens to blues music early, early on in his life, which is usually unusual for somebody that's 10 or 11 years old. Usually, you're listening to pop music when you're a kid, and then you get into more sophisticated, I guess, called sophisticated music when you're older. Um. Anyways, uh, I think for you'll find that uh, Tim's an interesting character. He has house concerts every year at his house, and. Uh, uh, he thinks uh, music's like, uh, to him, is like the food and water in life, and there is no difference to him. So, all right, uh, let's get into it. Tim Wilcox. All right, uh, Tim, where are you at? I'm at uh, Shea Wilcox. I'm at the, uh, the parental units place in Stanley Park. Oh, what's that? Pardon me? What's that? My mom and dad's house. <laughs> All right. So uh, you're at the Wilcox residence. Um, so um, how did uh, the jam go last night? Oh, Mike McDonald uh, knocked it out of the park. Out of the park. Was anybody there? Yeah, there were people there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like a back I mean, you backyard party yeah Dwayne's lives in rural wilmot township yeah kitty corner to the blue moon and up a few houses on north on Notre dame drive that's the main drive drag in in uh, petersburg well the main drag is actually snyder's road east which is an extension of highland road yeah when you come to the blue moon you turn right and four houses up is an old uh Yellow brick house with about two acres. On the left side. On the left side, yes. I don't know where that is. Okay. All right. So um, when did you start getting into music? Like when did music become really important or you're aware of it uh, uh, in your life? When did that start? Man, when I was like 10 or 11. Okay, 10 or 11. So you'd be like uh, 70s, late late seven no it's like 77 76 yeah around there because i'm 55 now okay and what's uh what was it about it to sort of draw you into it oh man i didn't even know where to start i can tell you this though my father was the general manager of the tv station here and there was a christmas party every year and the one year everybody I knows got, his dad was uh was head of CKCO TV. Or, yeah. So yeah. he was a talent buyer, so he had to learn about he had to know business and talent and art. He had to be able to connect the two dots. The one year the one year for the kids' Christmas party, I got Boston Boston of the debut album from Santa at the party that was in the studio. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. Blown away. Blown away. Well, that would have had a 
more than a feeling. Um, all those big hits. So that 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 spoke to you back then already. Pardon me. Did that speak to you back then? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, my brother was friends with Mark Logan in high school. We just interviewed and Mark Logan. Kid. Hang on, we just finished Are the you? interview with him. Well, happy birthday, Mark! <laughs> he was sixty yesterday, I think. What, what what was the connection with Mark Logan? I shared. My brother was in the same grade as Mark at Grand River High School, and I shared a room with my brother. Yeah, my brother had had the the wickedest album collection. He would take every album, he would take the liner notes uh, out of them if there were, and he would file them alphabetically. He would take the paper sleeve off the album and put a static free sleeve on it, and then put the album back in the jacket, and then put a a thicker clear uh, jacket of plastic around that one. And then he followed them alphabetically on shelves. And then he had, you know, the wicked stereo, you know, the stack stereo turntable on the top underneath yeah. that smoke glass doors. He pressed it, opened it up. And there was a amp, preamp, a receiver. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I had access to all that. Wow. That would have been a, that would have been uh, an early start all sorts of music like so grand river high school would have an annual florida trip and i never went on them but when my brother did with mark logan those guys instead of partying with everybody you know and catching the free free cartons of newport cigarettes people were throwing up to to people on the balconies of 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 the hotel around the pool those two were out at record stores digging through the dollar bins and some of the stuff that my brother came back with was, was like, how did he get this for a buck? UFO, UFO, the original album. It had a dollar sticker on it. Oh, yeah, I know. I know you. Michael, Michael, Michael Schenker, right? I think Doctor, that, that, Doctor, front, that front cover has the whole band standing around gas pumps. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I'm gonna assume that uh, your brother was in the heavier stuff then. He wasn't like, um, you know what? Mark started his. Uh, when we, we just oh no, him. dude, man! Huh? The collection had that collection had everything from ABBA to uh, oh obscure stuff, you know. And and I had access to all that A to Z, ABBA to Zappa. Did your brother get any stuff from your dad? Then my dad's collection. I found all his old blues albums that and blues and jazz albums. We had a crawl space uh, where we used to live on Marquetta. And above the crawl space was the laundry room. And my mom had the, the double tub beside the washer that, you know, the wash water would dump out into the one tub. Yeah, I remember that. And it would suck it back in for to reuse it again. Yep. <laughs> if there was already some, if there was already something in that tub, it would overflow, and then it all dripped down below. So there was a moldy mess of of 1950s, 60s blues albums and jazz albums. I remember looking at all of them. We tried to clean them up the best we could. You know what? Uh... 
Do you know what Mark talked about was his earning influence? The same with Alan is with the Partridge family. I think it's a bit my time before my time, but um, yeah, I think I remember watching the show, but bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember there was a bus with daisies on it, right? Alan, is that what it was? Come on, get happy. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's it. Okay, hey, so, Alan. Hey, continue. Sorry. All right, so uh, Tim, are you there? I'm totally here. <laughs> uh, okay, so do you think that did you listen to the blues albums back then? Oh yeah, um, I remember going to the KPL, Kitchener Public Library. That's what he's means by Kitchener Public Library. Yeah, back when they you could rent or not rent, take them out. Um, rent record, album. Yeah. And I would take them home, and there was a European audio on Weber Street, uh, Weber and College. And the gentleman there sold TDK, TDK XL120 Chrome. It was, it, it was one step below Chrome, I think. The uh, okay, so what the quality Tim's referring to analog tape, like uh. What do they call it? So I would bring the album. I would bring the albums home, and yeah. then I would set, I'd set it up on my brother's tape deck, and then I would tape the album, yeah. and then I would take it back. But I I remember getting John Lee Hooker, and Muddy Waters, and uh, Albert Collins, and I'm like 12 years old. I'm taking these out of the library. That's how early you're into the blues. Yes, man. Are you serious? I got a library card. I had a library card. And the world was mine. Albert Collins, who else? I work with Albert. Uh, Howlin' Wolf. I don't BB know. Howlin Wolf. Buddy Guy, I work with. We both John Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker. I like boom, work with. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. You guys want to hear a John Lee Hooker story? You guys ready? Okay, go ahead, Brad. Stories from the Road with John Lee Hooker? Yeah, so uh, I'm doing the drink. It's now called the London, London Theater. But, anyways, it was called a drink. And um, like two days before that, he he was on stage with the Rolling Stones somewhere on a huge show, right? He was a guest on a Rolling Stones live show, right? And then like two days later, he's playing the drink, and I'm doing the, we're doing the production for it, and the and the place is sold out. I mean, like beyond sold out. And uh, I. I he comes out, he sits in a chair. He has to stand up. He's sitting in a chair with his amp beside him and with his glasses on, right? And and he and he goes into a solo, right? It's just like duck 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 and people lose their mind, right? Like they're just screaming, right? And I'm like, wow, this is really weird, right? It's just a whole vibe with the guy, right? Uh so that was my story with John Lee Hooker. I don't weird know, but cool. Huh? Weird but cool. It's weird, but <laughs> weird, but cool. Like, like, and I like everything, man. Like, when, the first time I heard NWA, that album straight out of Compton. N Niggers with attitudes, what that's that's what it is, right? Fuck, man, what the hell is this? Yeah, and you know, the powerful, powerful, powerful music and their message, right? They weren't taking any shit. We're black. We're not taking it. 
you know, and holy fuck. Wild. That was like, uh, that's the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, man. Like, that's the original gangster rap stuff. And I still, I, I could spit every lyric to that album. And same with uh, uh, Flavor Flav. <laughs> For, um, and Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Fear, of a, fear, fear of a Black Planet. I know every, I can spit those lyrics, man. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, three of us white guys got together and we were like, drinking and stuff. I think we were playing cards and somebody put that on. The three of us are all like knew every lyric. You're like, what are three white guys in their 40s doing <laughs> knowing every <laughs> lyric to this album? <laughs> I have a I have a I have a public enemy start. Does anybody want to hear it? Alan, do you want to hear it? Flavor Flav at Super Skate 7 in Waterloo? No, this is um Okay. Alan, do you want me to hear my story? Sure. Go ahead, Brad. Al. Yes, I said yes. Uh, so they're playing. I'm do, we're doing them at Windsor Arena, uh, Public Enemy, and um, the opener is uh, Maestro Fresh West, and um, they have a whole team dancing on. Back then they had DAT tapes, their little, the digital audio tape players. This is the eighties. Did and they have the S1Ws? What are those? They were like. Uh, two guys dressed in military gear. Yes, that's the whole thing. Both they were like go-go dancers. They just kind of marched and saluted and wore dark glasses. Well, the, yes, the uh, Public Enemy had that whole army team with them at that time. Yeah, the X one. They were called the S one Ws. Okay, is that what they called? They were there. Uh, Maestro had a dance group with them, but anyway, the big hit was out. Backbone slide, and oh, um, let me back. they have a dad player. Where the monitor is going to hit play, and it's the song starts playing, and they go into the they go into their, their thing, right? Well, the DAP player stops in the middle of the song on their biggest hit, and um, they're all looking at me, and I and, uh, and I and I go, it's their machine, right? It's their DAP player, it's their tape, and I just look at it, right? And they're looking back at me, right? And so I'm like <laughs> trying to press the bus stop, hit stop, stop, and finally, for some reason, right. It just starts playing again. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Thank God it didn't catch on fire. <laughs> Anyways, that was sort of, sort of like there's like ten thousand people there, right? And uh, and uh, it had, didn't have anything to do with me, but it t turned into my problem. Anyways, so so then, if you're into the blues and you're listening to all those types of music, right? I didn't know you were into the blues. That that's early, right? Like for me to. So, well, that was man. That's the backbone of like Led Zeppelin one, two, three, Rolling Stones. You know, yeah. You can take, uh, you know, the original. Um, oh God, it'll come to me later. But, anyways, it, 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 this one blues song has morphed into you know the Lemon song, and that morphed into the White Stripes. Uh, Let's build a home. Like, I'm sorry, Ball in a Biscuit. What's that? What song is that? Ball in a Biscuit by the White Stripes. Hmm, I have to listen to it. Uh, okay, let's, the, uh, the lemon the lemon song by Led Zeppelin. That's a total blues song. I don't. I mean, that's straight out of the blues. I don't know much more you can. You know, it's kind of like you, uh, you you use that as the backbone build off of it. And you know that's what Led Zeppelin did. That's what the White Stripes did. Okay, uh, it's, it's killing, killing floor, killing floor, morphed I mean, into the Lemon Song, 
the lemon song morphed into ball and a biscuit. And I'm sure there's, you know, offshoots of it everywhere. Okay. So but it is, a, it, it's a great backbone of, of, of something to build a blues song on. Hey, Al, you have anything to say here? I got to get out of my thoughts for a minute. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I'm just listening. I don't really, I don't think I really know, uh, you personally, but, uh, I, I certainly knew, uh, I knew of the era and of the genres and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I remember listening to records back when I was, uh, I used to get robbed for milk money and then the guy started selling me records for a buck. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but he didn't I, wind I, up, he didn't wind up on the back of the milk cart at least. That, that's right. That's right. So, uh, but I mean, I remember putting on like, uh, you know, uh, I remember when I put on CCR, Born on the Bayou, and something happened chemically in my brain. Uh, well, dude, you know what? You should have been out at Dwayne King's 45th party last night. Because Mike yeah. McDonald, Chris Latta, Corey Turnbull, and this uh, European drummer from Toronto, I forget his name, Gil or something. They did yeah. the whole CCR Bayou Boys thing last night. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. I know yep. what you're, I know what you're talking about, Alan. Yeah. Born on the Bayou. I don't know what it was about that song, but uh, it just, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I was hooked. John, John Fogarty's gravelly screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the tremolo on the guitar. Yeah. That too. Yes. Okay. Can I interrupt? Oh, Brad here. Um, right over here, pop minority report. <laughs> okay, so Tim, I'm gonna Tim does these things called the backyard parties, and they happen on July 1st, and it's in the back of his, his house, him and his wife here, or, or Susan, sorry, I don't know. anyway. So let's go there. So there are definitely different kinds of music you book. Why do you do that? Why do you put yourself through that? Why do I put myself through that? Because it's, it's, it's a lot of work. You got to pay your own money, and it's your, your house and everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, yeah, I know. And, and I was doing it out of my pocket for the first few years, and then Terry Pender slapped me in the head. I said, "Wilcox, I got a guy that prints tickets. You should ticket this thing." Because <laughs> I used to get a bonus every year in April. I'd set aside about two grand, right. and then I'd hire some bands, some porta potties, um, you know, and then. Put it out there, hey man, come. We're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a picnic and a party and bands. And uh, Sue and I, when we first moved to Park in Victoria about twenty years ago, there was a spot in our backyard where the, this beautiful canopy of trees keeps it shaded, so nothing grew there. So I built a twelve by sixteen deck. You know, we could go back and hang out on under this lovely canopy of tree of branches. And when I Stepped off it and walked up to the house and turned around and looked at it and looked at the rest of the backyard. I said to Sue, I go, man, we should have a band on that deck. <laughs> yeah. So, and Sue, you know, being in the culinary arts. Oh, that's right, cook, yeah. So, and me, you know, volunteering for Kitchener Blues Fest and the Waterloo Jazz Festival, always loving being backstage, being right at the heart of it all. I would take care of procuring a band or two in February, signing them basically a contract and doing everything just like, just like what I'd learned as a, as a, as a volunteer, uh, you guys need backline, you guys need food. Is anybody allergic to anything? And then 
I would take care of getting a sound guy, renting a PA, nailing the bands down, making sure they're there on time, what they knew. And Sue would take care of all the food side of the house. She'd be the host. People would bring, you know, everything for this picnic. And she would take care of all that in a big food tent. And, uh, hey, three o'clock, let's go. We're going to party till 11. And we, I, I, the first one I did was Douglas Watson and his R&B review. And the incarnation of that was, I think, a Majish on drums, Chris Ladd on guitar, Watson on bass, Pete Temple on harmonica, uh, Douglas on bass, of course. And it just morphed from there. And the next year, I'm like, let's get Romeo Sex Fighter. So you had them there? You know, I, I had Romeo Sex Fighter. I had with with Matt Whitinger and the keyboards. And wow. once again, this awesome group of local musicians, you know, talented beyond, you know, you know, Brian Wright, Matt Whitinger, and Ryan Allen. And uh, that year, uh, who couldn't make it? Somebody couldn't make it, and somebody else filled in. Mike ben Rollo filled. I, Mike Todd couldn't make it, so Ben Rollo filled in. Oh, <laughs> and uh, once again, another stellar show. And so, you know, we're ramping up to this, and the next year, I'm like, what do I do next year? And then I saw this. I might, I might be missing some people in between, but the one year, uh, Kevin Doyle had brought this band up from Detroit called the Third Coast Kings. And they they recreated that 70s Detroit funk. Oh, like, did they ever? <laughs> and their their leads their lead singer, Sean Ike, you know, he's like James Brown. And you wouldn't know this, but he has a very uh bad back and sciatic issues, spinal problems. He will walk with a cane when he's not on stage. When that man gets on stage, he moves. And you wouldn't and he's hurt inside. Because all the times we've seen them, me and my friend Tony, you know, we'll go party with the band, but Sean stays back at the hotel. He's like, man, I got to lay down. My back's hurting me, man. <laughs> but anyways, so I figured I'll bring these guys up. And then I, I said to uh, uh, um, the Divines, I said, you guys want to do like a Motown set? We'll have you guys, you know. Divines are a three-piece singer group, an all-girl band. Yeah, continue. But and then all their husbands, you know, like uh, yeah. Jay Carraro, uh, yeah. um, Terry Pender's son. Uh, oh, what's the keyboard player's name? Anyways, and then Jesse Weber joined them. So they just, they knocked this Motown review out of the park. And then we took an hour break. And then the Third Coast Kings came on and... Knocked it out of the park even further. Okay, so, so Tim, the reason what's the reason why you do it is because you you like the music so much you want to share it with people, so you're willing to put it in your backyard. Is that why? Absolutely. That the and I, of it? Yeah, and for the love of music, man. And okay. uh like you said, it's a lot of work. And then the <laughs> night before, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at the weather, I'm looking at the weather report, right? Yeah. Deals and you know, and then uh, we had Mike McDonald's Bayou Boys the one year. Yeah. Uh, I've had Cheryl Leska, Miss Angel, uh, Charity Brown. Uh, I had uh, uh, Terry Wilkins 
the co-founder of Big Sugar. He was a bass player. He was a bass player with Lighthouse for three years. He was with Carol Pope and Rough Trade during the High School Confidential album. I had him in his trio. Oh, uh, he's a Rastafarian guy. Um, No, 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 no. Bridgie from Jamaica, right? Terry's Australian. Oh, okay. There's a guy you're thinking of Gary, you're, you're thinking of Gary Lowe. Oh, when Gary, Terry Wilkins left, when Terry left Big Sugar, Gary Lowe took over. Oh, Gary with took the over. Okay. So I was I, I worked with Tim on his birthday, his bash this year, and it was a, supposed to rain. Like it was absolutely supposed to rain, and it didn't. <laughs> it was somehow it just missed us, and. uh it actually turned out the weather to be pretty good. Actually, it was a bit windy, but either that, it was uh, it kind of must have went around the house. <laughs> but you know, pre- previous years, you know, it said it wasn't, and then oh, the one year I had like Elliot and the Audio Kings, right? Mike Elliot. Yeah, they're all blues uh, acts. Yeah. After Daddy Longlegs had kind of gone their own ways, and when Mike started uh, his own band. And my rented system from Sherwood and all these people at my house waiting for the show. And Caroline, my, you know, pink haired tattooed prison guard friend. Okay. She just lives up on Queens Boulevard. Tim, can you come and get me? By the time I went up Queens Boulevard, got her and started coming down Queen Street. The skies opened, man. It just poured. And I've left my stage with people. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope they tarp all that stuff. Got tarped. Dave Reed, you know, Dave Reed was there. You know, he's anything you can hang from a tree, Dave's up there hanging it. But it worked, man. The sun came out. The side yard was a little mushy where we had the 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 the, the food tables and everything. Uh I drained all the water out of the monitors before I took them back to Sherwood on Monday. Uh, Corey, Will- Corey, Williams- Corey Williams got electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the PA wouldn't work. Uh, Mike Elliott finagled one of the monitors, stood it on its end, turned it around, turned it into an amp. And uh, the show must go on. And uh, so, I, you know, everybody did what they could to, to make the day, you know, a hit. A little bit of rain is going to rain on my parade. Okay, so would you say that... Uh... Did you say without music in your life, it will be not such a great journey? Exactly. It's like water, food, and air, oxygen, I and music. Okay. Because, um, you know, and during the pandemic, like, I'm like, I'm just itching to see a live show. I fucking need to see some live music. And of course, you know, I have friends over at 63 Cortland in that dank, dirty, basement, musty, jam hall and none of us were you know you're not supposed to get together but you know i would sneak out other people sneak out and the same people would hang out you know this is before everybody started to get vaccinated and you know somebody would tear into a 10 minute jam at the jam hall and like some of these like i I wish i recorded some of it because it was just stellar you know yeah. And then I come home and go, I get shit from Sue. Where were you? <laughs> getting my getting my music fix. Right. Okay, so um 
you've been part of the Kitchener Blues for so what, 20 years? Maybe, probably not that long. How long 12 or 14. I didn't get involved with I, until 2008. Well, Stu and I were involved with, with Waterloo Jazz Festival for many years, uh, helping at the Green Room. I used to do the Jazz yeah. Festival when it first started. You uh, did? Yeah, I did the first three or four. Like, when it first started, it was really uh, grassroots. Right? Yeah. They just bring one flat bed in, and they put a tent on it, some chairs and tables, some wine, and when they went at it, back then. In that, in that in the parking lot across from the button factory. Yeah, it was it, it, it wasn't even in the back, it was in the front at one time. And the button factory upstairs, that was the green room. So I don't remember the first... being the button factory, but I remember it was it wasn't at the back of the building, it was the front of the building. It was really odd, but anyway. There was a parking lot up front. So that was where, you know, our job was to make sure that the artists got fed, we watched their gear, we you know, put that band stuff there, that band stuff there, make sure nobody touched it. And in between, you know, we would leave and lock the door and go watch a band. And there was this woman, Dawn Aiken. I'm not sure where she's from. I think she ran the whole thing. And it was July 13th, my birthday. And I was off somewhere having a beer. And I was like, Tim, Tim, she's singing happy birthday to you. Right? Oh, get back on the stage. So, that Sue and I were living out in the West Heights area at that time. And when we moved downtown, I said, you know what? This Kitchener Blues Festival, we're right down here. This is our neighborhood. You know, we love all the jazz festival and all, but we should get involved down here in DTK in, in the N2G. So we did. And from there, you know, I think my first year and Sue's first year was just like, I forget what we did, but it wasn't a lot. And then the next year, I'm like, I'm signing up for that main stage. Because I know the stage manager who worked with my family members uh, at CKCO, Jamie Niven. And then, like, I was just a stagehand. And then Jamie said, you know what, Tim, next year, you're my right-hand man. I'm like, Ooh. So I was Jamie's right-hand man for about five or six years. And every weekend that the, the, the Blues Festival happened was Jamie's anniversary weekend. So his wife finally put her foot down one year and said, Jamie, you're not doing this anymore. We're spending our anniversary at the trailer. So... I was working one day and I was coming back from Sarnia on the 402 and Rob Barkshire number comes up on my phone. I'm like, who is Rob? Like, Rob, got to him. Uh, Jamie has stepped down. We're wondering if you want to be the main stage manager. I'm like, I had to pull over, man, on the side of the 402. And I go, let me think about this, Rob. I'll call you back. I hung up the phone. I thought about it. Call the bank. I go. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> okay, so the, so I did that. So yeah, so the it gets you. I guess you get to do a lot of different things. You get to be involved. You get to be on stage. You get to see the show from the side of the stage. You get to make a um, a contribution to music in the community. I think it. I think for you, it hits at a different many different levels. Would that be correct? And and, and giving back too, like yeah. and that's for my parents with with their involvement in. Um, with the community, so it pays off. It's win-win. I agree. All right, um, Tim, we got a couple minutes left. Is there anything you want to add before we head out? It looks like you got to go for a swim. <laughs> I totally forgot about this. I got over here. I'm like, oh shit! I have a, I have a podcast. One. Yeah. 
All I can say is that, yeah, volunteer, get involved with your community. Yeah. doesn't matter what it is. Do what you love. Um, best seat in the house is backstage. Yeah. Keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. Or yeah. front of house. Depends who you are. <laughs> <laughs> That it? Uh, um, don't know what else to say. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, uh, Alan. Anything else? Yeah, I was just gonna say a, a little bit of advice. Uh, if you see watermelon that says it has a sticker on it and says that it's boneless, don't buy it. <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream has no bones. All right. All right, I'll see you guys. Thanks. Okay, man. Brad. Alrighty. See ya. All right, so this is another interesting uh, episode of the uh, Pop Minority Report podcast. Uh, Tim is definitely another interesting individual that uh, the Brad's introduced me to, and I learned a lot on this podcast, as you will as well. And I think his message was, you know, get involved in your community, and you and, and oh yeah, the right, more you yeah. Get involved, yeah, yeah. The more you get involved, the more the more you're going to uh, experience. Uh, you know, giving and getting. And, uh, uh, you know, we connected on Born on the Bayou. I guess last night they had a big party and uh, they played the whole CCR catalog. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was a, another great uh, episode. Uh, I hope you learned something. <laughs>